Welcome to the Strong Life Coach Podcast, where we speak life, coach life, write life, and lead life. Today, I'm joined in the podcast studio by one of my great friends, uh, one of my best friends, um, Michael Ford. We've been friends friends for probably, I think, 15 years. Is that right, Mike? Yep, about 15 years, 15 man. 15 years. And he's doing some incredible work in the community up up in the DFW area. He he's a, does an incredible job volunteering as a coach. He connects like a champion with the children. He's been doing it for seven years. He just got into the soccer program as well. Um, Mike, Michael Ford, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I'm, I'm just thrilled to be here, man. I, I've been seeing your podcast and stuff that you've been doing. I'm glad you could have me on the show, man. Always a pleasure when we look, link up anyway, man, because it's like we could talk for hours, man, about pretty yes. much anything. It don't, <laughs> it don't right, even seem right. like you have to have a topic. Yeah. I, I feel like there's so many conversations you and I have had over the years where I, or, or I've thought, I wish this conversation was recorded for, oh, yeah. No, for yeah. one, for other people to listen to, but two, for me to just go back to, you know, so I think that's something special for me about the podcast setting is, yeah. is some of my, my best friends, uh, us connecting and talking, and then really getting the chance to have it recorded to share it with other people. But even for us to be able to come back. To, oh, you know, yeah. It's just like, it's a beautiful idea of um, us being able to have access to this, to this for the rest of, you know, our lives, you know, really. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I mean, I'm glad you hit on that too anyway, but uh, it's one of those things that I think you're only allotted so many people in your life that you connect with on a certain level where you can have those type of conversations because each people have those, like you're not, you're not going to connect with everybody. So that's what makes yes. it great though, man. So yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I remember you know talking to the basketball court or your apartment or my place and over me. Yeah. And now um, I know you, you got a chance to walk in with me at my wedding. So um, yeah, yeah. All those I think moments you know, mean a whole lot to me. And I think you have a you have a great gift. I've told you this before. You have a gift of communication that I've been I feel like learning from over the last fifteen years. You know your ability to storytell oh, wow. and connect and and <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, you have a great gift in it. So I, I'm excited to see, you know, where that's going to take you. I, I think it's already taken you into the community and making an impact um, that we can't even calculate. But I'm, 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 more, I'm, I'm also excited because I know it, I think it's, it's going to take you even further places because you really do a phenomenal job connecting with people. Oh, thanks, man. So let, let's jump off the, the podcast and the, the questions with, with um, what motivated you to start volunteering as a basketball coach? Uh, it, that's a good question first. I mean, and uh, it goes back all the way to when I was in, I mean, I've been playing basketball my whole entire life. I remember my twin brother and our mom and dad would ask us what we want to be when we grew up and, we said we want to be basketball players. Mm -hmm. And then as you get older and you continue to want to play it, you know, reality starts to set in, especially around college or whatever. And uh, uh, the main thing that stuck out in my life that made me want to say, hey, I want to coach and I want to change kind of or be, be better is in high school. I played for high school and um, I, got, I got hurt. And then I was out for like a couple of weeks. And then when I came back, the coach had given my jersey away and like he gave it to another person. He, yeah, he gave it to another person who was already on the team and he, that person already had a jersey. He just wanted my jersey number. And, uh, oh. yeah, I know. And, uh, 
I, I remember as a freshman in high school, letting that coach have it. Like, you know, how, how I felt like it was wrong morally, ethically, ethically and all that. And I don't even know uh-huh. I'm saying it right. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, right, right, I remember, right. Right. Saying that, you know, you don't do that. And uh, it was a lot of politics involved because the kid that wanted my jersey number, he was the brother of a boy that was on varsity. So I feel like it's one of those things where they were playing favoritism because I feel like if he would have got hurt, they wouldn't have been trying to let me have his jersey, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, I ended up getting cut uh, my freshman year in high school, and I was maybe out like a game or two or maybe a practice a while. But the head coach came down and said, I'm back on the team because I guess maybe his conscience was wearing on him that, other people had done thing or done worse than that, and they still stayed on the team. I was just voicing my opinion. So, long story short, which I learned my lesson from it, but I also said I want to be a better player and a better coach if I ever got the chances. What happened was the coach really never played me that much. So I went through a lot of my high school years not really getting to show my talent, and he did it very strategically, I think, and he did it very uh. Uh, what's the word, politically correct in the sense that he, he would start me sometimes, but then I would never play the whole game. Like, he'll start me, and then he'll play, uh, or I'll get in, like, at the end of each quarter with two minutes, and then I couldn't even really complain to uh, uh, my other players or my uh, teammates or even people in the stands because they say, well, we saw you get in. You got in. You played every quarter. But he did it. He did it good. Like, I would play two minutes at the end of each quarter or uh, the whole fourth quarter. Like, I would miss the whole game, but I would play the whole fourth quarter. And we were a pretty good team. We were blowing out teams. So mm-hmm. nobody was really paying attention to little stuff like that. They couldn't. Or, you know, when you when a team's blowing somebody else out, you're not looking at that kid that's only getting two minutes or whatever. It's like that kind of thing. So uh, what happened was that the head coach left that year. And he, uh, a new coach came in and brought his whole new staff. And I thought, oh, this is great. I'm going to go to play uh, JV, and I won't be with the freshman coach no more. But the new coach, the new head coach that came in, he brought his whole new staff, and his new staff wanted to work with the freshman. So our freshman coach that was our freshman coach, he moved up with us to JV, and he pretty much did me the same way, barely let me play. I was getting in, whatever, whatever. Hmm. And I have one of those. And it, what, I'm, I'm kind of glad it happened because it motivated me and it, it made me want to be better as a person. It made me think more how I talked, watch how I talked, because I'm a very passionate person. And it made me want to actually play basketball. That's one of the reasons why when I went to Northwest Vista, I really wanted to make sure I played on team, got on team, and showcased my talent just one last time. And uh, it's also one reason why I call myself the comeback kid. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. You know, no matter what, no matter what happens in life, man, just keep on trying to come back. You know, yes. Just, even if, even if you just get knock down once just keep on getting back up so i love yeah. that now i i love the mentality and i think what's what's powerful about it is when you talk to any successful person you could also ask them right in line with their success you could ask them how has failure shaped their journey and you'll you'll hear story after story of people who are successful and all types of failure they went through but Sometimes on the outside looking in, you don't even get a chance to see it unless you ask, right? Because people might see you, you know, you're making an impact on the community. You're changing kids' lives. You're creating these opportunities for them to have relationships with each other. You're, you know, giving these pep talks. You're optimistic. You know, the parents know who you are. The kids know who you are. And they may not immediately know or they almost 
they certainly would not know about the struggles you've been through and what shaped you. And, and But it's true that sometimes these shortcomings or maybe even some, yeah. sometimes when people don't treat us in a fair way can shape us into the people that we become, which again, I, I think you're, you're, you're somebody who's making a positive impact on the community. And you think about the question was like, what motivated you to start? And you went way back into this, time where you really felt excluded and overlooked and how that's given you motivation exactly. today, today to make a positive difference which i just think that's beautiful it's a beautiful thing yeah well, well thanks and see j- just to expound on that though too that one of the reasons why i wanted to coach is because even when i'm coaching it gives me a chance to kind of see that kid that probably isn't going to play that much in his whole life or who hasn't played that much up until now and give him the chance and the motivation to think that, yes, he's part of the team. He can be great. And even throughout the whole year, it's one of the things I do. I try and make sure all my players, and this is the thing I'm not about, because I know that this generation nowadays is about giving out trophies to everybody. I'm not about giving out trophies to everybody, but I am about rewarding my players for certain things that only they do. And mm-hmm. I try and do that with a ribbon or something because it, it says, hey, you're good at this. You're good at this thing. So I, if I have one player of the year, I just got one player of the year. If I have one defensive player of the year, I just have one defensive player of the year. So it's one, so one of those things that it's like, hey, I'm good at this. And, and, you, and when they continue to play with me, you see them kind of have a little bit more, uh, I don't, for lack of a better word, umph in them, like a little bit more pizzazz and hype and you know I, got, I can do this about them and I mm. feel like I had a, something to do with that where I think high school coaches like my high school coach in general depending on what happens they kind of lose that like they feel like but they forget we're still kids too we need a lot of motivation and uh, I think that my uh, coach that when I talked to him when I said what I said about you know you don't do that give him my jersey away I think he was a little bit hurt that I talked to him like that in front of the rest of the team uh, so he did what he did but you know I, I look at it from both sides now you got to understand the player, and as a coach, you got to know what kind of uh, things you're doing, and even be able to say apologize. Like even when you lose, you got to be able to tell your players, "Hey, I think I messed up on this. I'm sorry," because I think that gives them a chance to look at you and as a human, and that you mess up, and that they can mess up too. It's okay. Mm-hmm. Right yeah. on. And uh, I, I do like the, the the element of you know because. I think we we often will hear the criticism of, you know, this next generation, everybody's getting a ribbon, everybody's getting the trophy, and they don't know how – in other words, it's, they're kind of saying, like, they don't know how to lose or they don't know exactly. how to, how to um, be not the – go ahead. Yeah, be not the best or, or except not being, like, I don't know. And I try and teach my players, though, too, though. Like, I'm pretty sure you understand, you know, growing up playing basketball – because you just said it a few seconds ago, though, too. It, it helps you get better. Losing, you gotta yes. embrace it. Uh huh. And 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 I, I like how you, how you didn't just throw that that out of. Um, does that mean um, only one person gets it? But finding unique ways to recognize uh, people who excel, right? In in different elements of the game and make sure that's recognized because because there there is something about. And I think you 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 added this point of as you recognize certain attributes that they bring to the game, you give them extra incentive, extra motivation, extra drive to get to that next, you know, to, to keep pushing that, 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 uh, that narrative, right. Or not even to, 
to continue to grow and expand in the, in the way that, hey, Coach Ford or uh, Coach Ford encouraged me about this. I want to keep on getting that encouragement. I want to keep on um, excelling in this area. Right. Uh, and, and, and see, this, this, see, even when I was in high school, though, too, the little minutes, and, I, and, it, and it affected me in college, too, when I started playing in college, the little minutes that I played in high school gave me second doubts about how good I was when I got to college because I felt like I was, even though I was good enough, I didn't feel like I was good enough because I didn't have the experience that I know I needed to be on the college level now. Because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking I've only played like two minutes, two minutes every quarter. So it's like, or, and that's just a, a average. There are sometimes I may have got, cause you've got to call timeout, got to wait till the ref blows you in. So I was just given like a roundabout, but there were some games for a quarter it'd be one minute or it might be three minutes, but you know, and I got in, so I never really got to have the whole vibe and feel of the court. I mean, of the game. And it does something to you as a player. And even in high school, you don't have the, uh, the presence of mind to actually uh, communicate that to your coach, especially if you feel like you made him mad at a certain time. So now I remember getting to college. I feel like, man, I don't even know if I'm that good, but, or how good I, or how, how well I can play because I've never been in certain situations. And a lot of it, I was just learning on the fly, being on the fly. And uh, so now when I coach, I understand that you have to be able to make a player feel like, hey, they can do this. And especially the ones that aren't going to play that much or that haven't played that much. You got to make them feel like they're just as important as the uh, coldest player on the team. Because truthfully, a lot of times the coldest player on the team probably doesn't need any motivation. <laughs> right, right, right. You you know you know how right, it is right, on the court. Right. Cause th- those are the ones usually just be talking noise as soon as they come in the uh, gym, you know. And you're like, why is this kid talking? Oh, because he think he cold. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, right. you know those kids. You don't right, even right. have to see. You don't. Even, you hear them come in. You be mm-hmm. tying your shoes up. Everybody, Michael Jordan is here. Like man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. So uh, one of the things I mentioned in the, in the intro here is that um, you, so you also do soccer, which have you, did you ever play soccer? I never did. I did play one time. My dad, <laughs> it's funny because my dad lived, not my dad lived, but he was in the military and we got shipped to Japan, uh, the family. So we was out there and he got us into soccer for some reason. It's not, I don't even remember requesting or asking my dad to sign us up, <laughs> but you know, when you're young, and you look cute and everything. Your parents just want to sign you up for everything, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> but I remember it plain as day, and I don't remember learning anything. I just One thing I do remember learning is I remember it being cold as I don't know what out there. And I remember my mom and dad or people on the sidelines saying stuff like, oh, move around, you'll get warm. And I felt like <laughs> that was the stupidest thing in the world because every time I moved around, it felt like it got colder because of the wind and the freezing <laughs> or whatever. So... But I mean, as you get older, you understand that it doesn't make sense to move around. But I don't know. I, that I can't remember anything from soccer. I was like first grade. I was like first grade, six years old, and I I can't remember anything I learned in soccer. But I was just out there. So, so and that's, it's, it's fascinating. So, so tell us about. Tell me about how you got into <laughs> coaching in the soccer program because you didn't play. So now you go, hey, well, I I know how to do this or do that. So how did yeah. you get into the coaching in the soccer program? Well, one is just like back when I was young. I didn't request. I didn't ask. <laughs> it's one of those things that uh, I have a coworker, and I coached her son in basketball. And then her husband, he's been coaching soccer pretty much just as long, or if not longer, 
uh, coaching soccer and uh, he needed help and he knew that, or his uh, wife was telling him how I worked with kids and how I also coached. And he's seen me coach too, his older son. And he needed an assistant coach. And I, he, asked, he asked me, I think he called me. I think he called me and asked me if I wanted to uh, coach or help him coach soccer. And I was like, yeah, man, I love working with kids. And uh, I, I really, the funny thing is I was kind of skeptical at first, but I'm pretty sure I'm probably going to be with him for, uh, I guess, uh, for as long as he coaches. Like, I'll be his assistant because it's not even so much, because I love working with kids. It's not so much the soccer it's the kind of players that, you know, are on the soccer team. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know, once you get, you know, just as well as I do, once you get attached to people and make friendships or bonds, man, you're just like, man, it's almost like my kids, man. I don't have any kids, but it's almost like, hey, as soon as you get off work, you're ready to go to practice and, you know, see your boys and see your players. So, mm-hmm. so, so what has it been like, I think, in that transition? Like, so what's, uh, maybe what's been um, well, in, I, in, like I kind of know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, so, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> what has it been like coaching uh, soccer? So, uh, what has it been like? Exactly. Okay, now there's 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 a lot of similarities, but then there's a lot of differences. Uh, of course, if you know, you know just as well as I know, basketball it's fast paced, and then there's a lot of scoring. And the thing that's different that's challenging to me is that soccer, it's pretty fast paced, but there's not as much scoring. So if you're not into that, it can get either boring or you can get frustrated at times just even being a fan and watching because you're like, they're doing all this moving around and nobody's scoring. So, uh, <laughs> right, right. Uh, but exactly. And, but the cool thing about it, I think, is that it's probably more fun, just like with baseball. I think it's the same kind of concept where it's not that fast, but it's just not as much scoring. It's very fun watching little kids do it because they're always doing something that'll make you laugh or make you like turn your head or make you drop your jaw. And it's the whole irony that they're trying to really replicate what they see in the pros or replicate what they've seen in practice and they either don't do it well or they do it very well and you're like wow so uh but the thing that's really different about soccer i'd really have to say is like the certain like rules it seems like there's a little bit more rules uh as far and i guess it's a little league you know they they you got to throw the ball in a certain way you got to kick the ball a certain way they won't let them hit the ball with their head at that age and so Mm. uh yeah, and uh, and oh, I'm, I'm learning how to kick the ball with your inside of your foot, and uh, when to kick it just head on, and how to stop the ball, that kind of stuff. Uh, now, there's the funny thing is to me, I feel like it's a lot easier to play soccer than basketball, mm-hmm. but then there's some parts as far as scoring where it makes it like it's harder than basketball because you could probably score in basketball before you could in soccer, but. I think soccer is still a little bit more uh, easier to play. Mm, gotcha. 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 Well, I think the whole, the whole, um, the whole story that you told about becoming the soccer coach, I think it's, there's a principle there because I think you excelled with one area in your responsibility, right? Like as a basketball coach and you obviously connected with the woman's child and to the point where she would be, when somebody endorses you to somebody else, and really endorses you to somebody else to have greater influence. I always think that they're endorsing you because you made a difference, you made a positive impact, and they want to see you influence more people, right? So it's like you were, in some ways, you were, 
you were faithful, you were reliable with the, the, the responsibility put before you, and you did so, you excelled at it so much that they, they wanted you to give you some more responsibility um, to use the gifts that you have to connect with the children, to um, help them to grow, help them have a good time while they're, while they're doing it, but still, um, again, teaching them the game. So I, I, I think it's a testament to your, um, how you excelled in, 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 on the basketball element to get more, more opportunities to influence more people in, in, on the soccer side. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the funny thing is when, she, when uh, he asked me, I felt like, well, why are you asking me to coach? And then he, he kind of, uh, let me know a lot of it is. And uh, even when I coach my boys, I, I play around a lot with kids. I love having fun. But when I start to coach basketball, which I'm pretty sure they saw it as a family, I get pretty serious. So I, I, I'm thinking, because I even did it even with soccer. You know, it was time to get serious and it was time to be locked in. And uh, a lot of times when practice isn't going on, I think that's probably something that's an element that could be added to, like, his team is, like the camaraderie I have with the players, like asking questions, playing around with them and having fun just to lighten the mood a bit. So it doesn't all feel like it's all like they're in the pros or something because they're still kids. And mm -hmm. when you, when you're able to get them to loosen up, I think that's when you get the best out of them, especially at this age. So, and I think I do that better. And with, in all humility, I think I do that better than a lot of coaches nowadays because, because sports are so big nowadays, I see so many coaches, yelling and yelling and I, I fell victim to that too and I do yell at my kids but that's why I make sure that when the game's not going on or when we're at practice you got to make stuff to make them remember hey I'm out here having fun because if you're not having fun have, doing the sport it's going to be very hard to win or even play at your best because you're not having fun so when you mm -hmm. go to the park and play basketball what are you trying to do you're trying to have fun you know in mm -hmm. so, uh and, and I think I, I've spoken to a number of coaches, right, in, in, in a variety of sports. But, but one, of, one of the things that, that uh, it seems to be unanimous that the most frustrating part of the coaching experience is, is, is working with some, not all, but some of the parents. But oh, uh, yeah. have, you, have you seen something similar or, or, or what have you seen in that space? Yeah, well, see, the funny thing is, okay, so I've been coaching seven years, or I think, or I'm going into my seventh year, mm -hmm. and my last season that I coached would have to be the the first time that I pretty much had uh, uh, the 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 parents weren't really on my side as well as the parents before them were, and it was the first season this happened. And then when I coached soccer, I saw too, like how dealing with the parents is. Uh, uh, very challenging, like getting them to show up to practice when another kid has another sport, stuff like that. And then with my basketball team, certain things like where you got parents who played or they, they're, they're, when they see something wrong on the court, they're only looking at it from a parent's perspective and their kid's perspective. So when they come to you with a complaint, it's not like, hey, I like how you did this because they never really say what they like. You know, if a parent <laughs> comes complaining, it's always about what you did wrong as a coach. And I'm mm -hmm. one of those coaches, hey, I'll take the criticism as long as when I'm doing something good for the team or for your kid, you're going to show, you're going to uh, shout that out too. But mm -hmm. they never do that. But they want you to do with th that with your kid. They don't want you to just yell at your kid. I want you to say some positive stuff. So let's do that all the way around the world. Like Ooh. if you're, if yeah. you want me to do that, you should be doing that to me when you give complaints. So that's the problem, <laughs> or I want to say problem, but that's what I dealt with this last time. I had a couple parents talking about uh, 
their kids playing time or what, what I'm doing with their kid and even complaining about like certain plays that I've done. And I did bring that to their attention. Like a lot of stuff that, uh, I'm doing or what I'm saying, I'm not just thinking about your kid, ma'am or sir. I'm thinking about the whole team. And, uh, there's a, there, there had been times where I'm not, judging or how I'm dealing with your kid based off just the game and what he's doing out there. I'm judging him after stuff, how he's acting on the bench, judging about how stuff, how he's acting in the practice, because all of it's connected, whether you think so or not. If your kid wants to, is serious about playing in this game, he's going to be serious to practice. He's going to be serious on the bench. Just don't be looking at the game, uh, sir, man, because if you're just looking at that, because the way they act on, uh, when they're not on the court, it does affect them on the court. And it's kind of hard to explain that to some parents because if they're over, and I told them, if they're over there like uh, playing with their fingernails and looking up in the sky and stuff during practice, what do you think's happening when they're sitting on the bench? Mm-hmm. You know, and then at the same time, and I had to stop a couple of practices and have them run. And then I said, if they're doing that, what do you think's happening when the ref is blowing the whistle? Are they dialed in and, you know, Stuff like that, you know. So mm-hmm. it just gives them parents something to think about, but they never look at stuff like that. They're only looking at the, what their kid is doing, not what they're not doing. But yeah. I'm the coach. Right. Right. And I think yeah, I've heard that from coaches is the the coach is not thinking about the is not the the view is not limited to the ninety seconds that the that the parent is complaining about. The the coach is thinking about is it in totality, you know. They they, exactly. they they're they're with the child on the court um day in and day out at, at the practices, um on the bench with them, you know, around them. They're seeing the way they interact with the teammate, they're seeing everything they bring. So there's 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 so much that goes into the decisions outside of the ninety seconds that the parent is complaining about. Um but I exactly. but also, I also like the point you mentioned about the uh, ho- like ho- having a, a set of standards for the parents. Because really, if exactly. if we're aiming to help each other to get better, then hopefully in our, in all of our relationships, we're we're providing more uplifting content than 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 uh, than criticism. And criticism is needed. It's it's, it's important. It's it, it's it's a, it's a part of the game. But, but it's so easy. But yeah, right, right, right. It's 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 easy to to point and criticize. Um, exactly. Um, but uh, but the idea of being 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 somebody like building the the, the foundation of the relationship. I, I always love the quote that says, uh, "People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care." So, have you shown that you with good, yeah. you know, feedback as well? Um, and and uh, I don't. I'm sorry. I don't. I didn't mean to cut you off. You no, you're good. No, no. It is basically. Uh, what I've learned, and I've learned on the fly, I've learned so many things on the fly of being a coach because, you know, each year is a new challenge. Each year, year it's a new player and stuff like that. But I've learned to sort of say some of those things at the start of the season on the first practice and let those parents know these things. Like, hey, we're all here together, and just like you're not a perfect parent and you're not going to do everything right, I'm not a perfect coach. I'm not going to do everything right. I'm not going to see everything. And, you know, we're all – if if we're all going to – and I I remember one season, I had a great season. When I, I think we won – I think we lost in the first game of the playoffs, and I remember being very critical of myself because of that because we were, like, better than the team that beat us. But mm. I remember saying to myself, I think one of the reasons why we did so well, it had nothing to do with the X's and O's. I feel like – Everybody was on board on the same level, from the parents all the way down to the kids, to me, to, I mean, shoot, everybody. 
So I feel like, and, and, and it sounds kind of weird, but I feel like any team that wins, because I feel like people look at Golden State Warriors, the basketball team that won like 73 and 9 and went so well. A lot of people look at them like, oh, they have great players. And they, but I'm going to tell you like this, and you know just as well as anybody, because you played sports, that if you don't have good chemistry and a good uh, a work ethic and, and things that, everything that goes on without the X and O's, if those aren't working well, you can have the best players in the world, mm. you know, and you still won't be able to get anything accomplished. So, because I, I had some team moms that were bomb, like they'd be making cupcakes and bringing <laughs> extra stuff. And, 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 and I'm like, I mean, and they weren't asked to do this, but you got to understand as a player what that does for you. Like, it makes you be like, oh, man, we're all in on this. The parents bringing stuff. I had parents making T-shirts and everything. And, I mean, I didn't have them doing this. They were doing it on their own, and they were parents of the players. And when you have that kind of thing, it, it sparks something, in you, especially as a kid. Like, man, this is – and it kind of probably can make you feel like, I'm in the NBA, you know, they're making shirts, and, they, you know, I'm a – you know, and that kind of thing. <laughs> I, I, I don't know if you know what I mean, but you know it's you know that kind of element. Because mm. I go to some of these football games, and you know they got announcers, and they're in the rec. They're it's like rec football, but they got announcers, and they got music playing after they score. And I'm all like, wow, this is like a real, like a real game. You know, they got their <laughs> names on the back of their jerseys and everything. And uh, so that's another thing, though, too. Like even when I'm coaching, I want to give them so much of the element that makes it feel like, hey, this is special. This isn't I'm not playing for no I'm not I'm playing for a different team. Like you can look at us or on the inside, it just feels like a whole different team. Like I try and uh, give them warm ups, uh uh game balls and uh they're not actually real game balls, but it's like the little mesh balls, like squish balls that are like uh stress relievers. Uh if you uh uh what I wanna try and start doing is uh each player or each game, there's going to be two people that get player of the game. And the one with the most uh, game balls at the end of the year gets to be the player of the year. And it, w- it won't be one of those things like, oh, like coaches choosing favorites. It's just proven. You can see, and I'll have me and my assistant coach choose those players. Uh, mm-hmm. And you can see that, hey, he's got player of the year because he's got all the game balls or most of the game balls in comparison to everybody else. And it's going to be two players that get the game ball just so it won't look like, because th- sometimes there'll be a, one player that's better than everybody and he'll get a game ball throughout the whole year. So the second game ball gives other players a chance to just show effort. And even if it's just defense, they get the player of the game ball too, because there's always going to be that one player that just probably better or scores a lot. So they might always get a game ball or, or have a higher chance, but it gives other people a chance to get a game ball too. So you can't really say too much. Mm. So, uh, I like it. I like that. So let, let, let me ask you um, in what you do in this, in this coaching setting is coaching as a volunteer. What do you, what do you find most rewarding about, about coaching in that volunteer setting? Uh, I, it's a couple of things and I'm glad you asked that though too, but uh, uh, one, uh, throughout coaching, you start to see how well uh, players from different backgrounds they uh communicate with each other and talk to each other on and off the court and uh even even me myself the uh things that I've been able to learn and talk to the, the players but I love seeing like it's uh, probably one of the coach's greatest joys to be on the court and talk to him hey communicate you're supposed to talk on the court and you know you know at the first few games you know they're all shy they don't really know each other like I don't feel like saying this but like maybe the third game in the season or somewhere in practice you see a kid 
pulled another kid to the side and started pointing to the court like they're saying something about the game. And I didn't tell them to do that. And they just did it on their own. And then I like to see, like, before the game, how they're talking about, like, you know, little stupid stuff, there too. Maybe girlfriends or tennis shoes and what they're going to get for Christmas. And then they just kind of develop a bond. And I feel like I have something to do with that because I try and make, you know, us feel like, hey, we can all talk to each other. So by the end of the season, when I see how well they're getting in contact with each other and maybe hanging out after or being friends with each other on social media and stuff like that, it's very rewarding. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, it makes me feel like, it feels like, I don't know, like when you see a movie, like Remember the Titans or Coach Carter, and you see how the coach had an impact on them, like, I feel, that's what I feel, and that's what, why I feel so rewarding. And mm-hmm. you get to see, you get to see what kind of kids are out there in the city, and the funny thing is they, they, they inspire me. There's some kids that they got some great work ethic and, and focus that I wish I had when I was at that age. And they may not be as good as I was when I was at that age, but their focus and determination to get better is way better than, and, it, and, it, and it's inspiring. I had a kid on my basketball team. Uh, he was the sixth man of the year. Uh, I think it was, was it the sixth man? I think it was the sixth man of the year. He got the, I gave him the sixth man of the year award. He turned around the next season and got my player of the year award. And oh. to me, yeah, and, and I'm telling you, it's it's it, 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 and it has really nothing to do with his scoring. Like when you think of player of the year, you think of somebody. That, oh man, he just turned around. And, no, this kid turned around, and he was the he was like the fire that helped our team like feel like we can win. Not just win, but he helped just by the way he played. And I could yell at him, and it just goes off his back like water. He doesn't get he doesn't shrivel up or anything. And that kind of stuff added to his player of the year. Like, you know, he uh, responded well to the coach. He was talking to the rest of the players. He he would interact with every player on the team. Now, that's player of the year to me, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, because we really weren't that good. But players of the year is not always about coaching. It's, it's I mean, uh, player of the year isn't always about points or scoring. A lot of it has to do about how well you're reacting to the what the coach is telling you and how you're able to get the team to be on the same level of what the coach expects of us. That's player of the year. Wow. I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that there's an element of, of uh, character that's being upheld, not just performance. Right. And, you know, exactly. in b- being around, you know, basketball, you know, you, there's different times where the, the best performer um, at times can be the, somebody with the, with the worst attitude. Oh yeah, <laughs> and uh, and it's and then you feel. I mean, I, and you tell me what it's like, but you feel almost resistant to um, award like the 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 guy with the bad attitude. He might have the most talent, but in the, but he has he has uh, the the he has the the best talent, but the worst attitude. That's it, it's a the troublesome combination. It's difficult to. Um, Again, you don't want to downplay it, their great performance, but you also are hesitant to give them additional recognition because they're, they're, they're maybe struggling with, with arrogance as it is, and you don't want to continue to ignore that. Exactly. You don't want to promote that or feel like they, they don't have anything to change. Exactly. And mm-hmm. I dealt with that. And it's a learning experience. And it's, uh, I remember having a player just like that, and you explained him right to the team. And it made me <clears> – <throat> It made me think of what things I need to do just in case I ran into a player like that in the future. And I'm telling you, if I get a player like that, I'm ready. <laughs> I can tell you <laughs> I'm ready. 
I'm actually praying I get a player like that. Not 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 in a bad way, but in the sense that it helps me in my coaching career, and I know now I'm ready, w- better and well prepared to deal with a player like that. I mean, you always think you're prepared without having experiences until you actually have the experience. Now you actually have the experience to go along with what you think you can do. So yes. yeah, I'm ready. Uh, yes. And 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 the funny thing is though too that player uh or or those players are the ones that you really uh. You really want to uh, try and affect change because you want to remind them that it's bigger than basketball because when it's bigger than basketball, it actually helps basketball. When you're only one-minded and just thinking about basketball, you're limited because mm-hmm. I feel like some of the best players, they're not just thinking basketball. They're thinking about character and, um, you know, so. And it's hard to explain it to some of these kids. They think they're just, you're just saying that to make them listen to you better, but it's true. It's not just about basketball. If you listen well all across the board, even in your classroom, it will help when it comes to basketball. But don't just think you're just going to turn it on when basketball comes. I tell mm-hmm. all those kids, I, I can tell which one of y'all or some of y'all that don't be paying attention in class because you're not paying <laughs> attention right now. <laughs> and, and some of them like, yeah, you know, so. Mm-hmm. Well, you, and what, what I, I like about what you said right now, too, is you, you said um, the experience of having a – situation like that it's prepared you for the next one and 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 i know that when it comes to coaching and growth is that sometimes the only step that's clear for you is the one right ahead of you but then once you take that step you make that move then um you get so much experience and you learn so much from it so i'm just thinking sometimes you you probably heard the phrase like the paralysis of analysis we could analyze well what do i do when i get this player or what do i do when i get that player or i'm not ready to be a coach yet let me me hold on so i'm more prepared and more ready but exactly. stay there all day, every day, and never actually make the, the steps to, to, do, to do the coaching gig. But then so you've done the coaching gig, and what, you, what you're able to have because of that is you're, you have the experience now with a variety of, of um, situations you've been in to add value to people moving forward. So even this idea that you're ready for that kid who, who has the, the best talent with the worst attitude, that you're, you're ready to shape and, and support them. Yep, I'm ready. <laughs> so, uh, what unique challenge have you overcome in 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 coaching? Uh, I guess I guess I kind of just hit on it hit on it right now. The challenge of uh, uh, of dealing with those kind of uh, players. Um, as, as a coach, though, too, I think the one of the main challenges is uh. Trying to okay, so when I first started coaching, I didn't have a uh, you know you don't have any experience. I remember when I first called a timeout. You have so many young minds and so many players looking at you to what what to, uh, what what to do. And uh, as it went on, and that was my main challenge: will I be able to uh, relay my thoughts, my ideas in a way that actually they're able to embrace, understand, or uh, actually uh, just. Uh, I don't know, just take hold of. And um, as as it started out, it was a hard, I mean, it wasn't a hard challenge, but that was one of the challenges. And I feel like as it's going on, I've been able to find my uh, comfortability, I guess you could say, or my uh, my strengths and how to actually come across these kids. Because whenever you do something for the first time, you could say you want to do it like this, but it's not always going to come out like that. And if you're not able to look into your players' eyes and they and it, it if and if to you it doesn't look like they believe you 
or they can understand what you're trying to get across to them, it's going to be that much harder when they get on the court uh, and actually try and do what you want them to do. And if it goes back to what I was saying with like trying to be, have camaraderie with them. If they can't feel that they can be cool with you sometimes, and I know it sounds weird because you don't want to feel like you're just their friend, but then again, this is a volunteer thing. It's a rec league and their kids. If they can't feel that they can relax, it's hard for them to go out there and feel like they can uh, focus too at this age, because a lot of these kids at this level, they're, they're, they're immature. So it's not always going to be on, they're not always going to be on the court dialed in all the time. So you got to be able to get them back on it, but in a way to make them feel like, Hey, you're allowed to do that sometimes because you're a kid. So uh, that was one of the main challenges. Uh, And I I mean, I think that's going to be one of the challenges as I just keep on doing this. Uh, because even when you coach at an older age and they start looking like men and growing beards, they're still kids. They are still kids. I don't care if they're 15, 16, 17, and some of them are 18, 19 in high school, and they're mm-hmm. still kids. And uh, even if they're 18 or 19, they might be old enough or consider themselves men, but compared to the age that I am, you're still a kid, buddy. Uh, mm-hmm. So you just got to kind of understand that I've been there, and you just want to make them feel like you have – their best interest at heart. And if you, and, and I feel like I've gotten there and I think I'm getting a lot better at it uh, than when I first started. That's a challenge in and of, of itself. I think that's the same thing. Like when you're teaching, if you're a teacher, if you're, if your students can't feel like you have their best interest at heart, sometimes mm-hmm. it's going to be hard for them to perform or do well on a test or, or even a, uh, uh, work assignment because they go home and the only person they really have that has their best interest at heart is mom, but mom doesn't really know what the teacher knows. So I feel like you've got to make the kids feel like you do care to a certain extent, because I feel like you can't get the best out of them. Mm-hmm. Yes. And, and I, I think you, you bring up a great point about connecting and um, conveying that you care and, and even like what's the best way to get the best out of them. Right. You know, in, and, right. and, and and that's it right there. Like if, if, and it happened to me the other day, right? Like, like what, oh, yeah. one of my, one of my friends um, had saw one of the videos I did on, online and I, and I was doing, I did, I did, I did a speech in front of a lot of people and he, he called me to give me feedback to, pretty much to tell oh, okay. me how I can improve it. How, you know, how, how, and he was telling me how I was projecting really hard. And, and now, now, mind you, this guy's super successful, right? In his business and what he does. Right. So right. he's telling me I was projecting really hard. Like he's done this amazing job in my, in my life in investing in me, looking out for me, supporting me. He has cultivated care in, in our relationship. So if he's coming at me with anything, like, and I, and I told him this, um, you, you have so much relational currency built in that you can come at me about anything, anytime, at any place. And I'm going to really take it from somebody who cares about me and who wants what's best for me. Plus you're super successful and I want to be as successful as you. So, so, um, so, so I see what you're saying, but, 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 but even this, like it, it, um, it, 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 that's in that situation. Um, I was projecting deliberately hard because in the physical situation that I was in, I was, it was a big room. I, was, I didn't have a microphone, 
the mm. um, the lapel mic I had was for my phone. It wasn't for um the room. So gotcha. I was projecting like had deliberately to-, to hit that back wall with some of the leadership team gotcha. that was back there. Now he didn't know that because he wasn't in the room, which is completely okay. Exactly. But but for somebody to care enough to initiate a conversation to to give me a pointer, I always want to be ready to accept that. But he just did what you just described, which was exactly. if I can show that I have their best interest in mind. Like this guy truly has best interest in mind, would never say anything just to be picky or critical, but really wants right. to do my best. So Right. And I'm pretty sure he told you some things that he liked too, right? Oh yeah. I mean of course he, I mean he he's one of those guys that you know, talking. I, mean, I, th- I think even the phrase he uses, like, "Man, I'm seeing what you're putting out there, man. It's fire. It is. It is. Um, it is good." And then, and then he proceeded to tell me a little bit about um, some of the the constructive feedback. That's cool. That's so, cool. And, and it's good to have people like that in your life because I feel like, and uh, and you could probably attest to this too, though. I feel like it's very rare to have those kind of people who can have that kind of impact b- b- both where it's good, where they can say something good, but then turn around and say something and with them not being in your family, because it's mm-hmm. almost like people that aren't in your family, you kind of got to be skeptical. Do they really have my best interest at heart? Because family, even if your family doesn't have your best interest at heart, you know, in the back of your mind, it's they probably do. They probably just doing it wrong or they're supposed to have my best interest at heart. So it's a lot easier to take criticism from them or it should be a lot more easier to take criticism from them than uh, than uh, outsiders. So to have an outsider do it and have that, it just, it just feels good, man, because it's almost like you're like family now in a way. Like mm-hmm. I can hear what oh, you're yes. saying, I can apply it, and it feels it feels it feels comfortable. Right, and he's one of those guys where every time I speak to him, he gives me some energy, like something good. How he believes in me, how far along I am, then. He'll give me, uh, I call it, he equips me. He'll give me some, like, hey, get this, book, get this book next, or hey, do this training. Or he'll give me a task, like, man, like the next step for you would be to do this. And, and I, I'm big because, again, he has the success I want to have. I'm big on, I'm going to go execute on his input, and then I'm going to come back, and I'm going to give him the feedback on what I learned from executing on, on the book he gave me to read or the training he told me to go to or a, a small group he told me to go, to go start up. Uh, I'm going to come back and let him know what I'm learning. So uh, it's, it's, it's become, I, 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 it's, it's, it's materializing even into a partnership, which I'm really excited about. But, but him and I are getting together on Wednesday to discuss, discuss more. So, um, oh, that's cool. Yes. Um, so let me, let me ask you, when it comes to your, you know, your preparation, right? So you're giving pregame speeches, you know, a, a pregame speech, a midgame speeches, you're giving a postgame speech on, you know, on a regular basis. So I'm curious, uh, how do you uh, get prepared for, for, the, for, the, for the games? Uh, it's pretty, I mean, I'm pretty sure it's going to get a little bit more uh, detailed as I get more into coaching. But uh, right now at this point where I'm at, it's pretty much the same thing that I did when I was in college and high school. And most of it is just pretty much listening to music, uh, maybe listening to some kind of inspirational uh, music with a video at the same time, like whether it's 
uh, your Will Smith or Will Smith has a lot of Denzel Washington and they have them on YouTube and they're always playing over some type of music and it's stuff to think about like uh, little life quotes or athletic quotes or sports quotes and uh, just ways. And I funny thing is to get me hyped. Sometimes I do just look up certain quotes, uh, just to, like ways to think about stuff. And even when I'm coaching my players, I'll throw out a quote just to have them and something that's around their level because right now I'm t- coaching 12 and under kids. So I can't throw out something where they're like, why did coach say that? <laughs> I got to throw out something that they can kind of understand and apply on their level. So, uh, uh, and then, uh, one of the things I do to get ready is I'm always thinking about maybe the player that's not so good. I think about, um, what ways I could probably, uh, motivate them or say something to them before the game just to get them to lighten up. Because I know when you're not that good and you come into a game and it's your first season sometimes, you're probably a little bit more tense than probably anybody else on the, on, in the court. So mm. having your coach come up to you and talk to you about certain things that has nothing to do with basketball, I really do think about that. And I think it's very, uh, I think it's very uh, good for a player to have because uh, they're still mm. kids and, uh, you know, I think we needed that even when we were in high school. And uh, some coaches, they forget to do that. So that's what I think about, or that's how I get prepared for a game a lot of times. Or or sometimes I even watch basketball, too. I mean, I guess that's kind of – I guess that's pretty much a, a, a known or a given, like before a basketball game, because I always feel like if I watch something, there's going to be something in that game that I see that I might need to tell my players or that I could even incorporate in the game plan. So mm-hmm. there's always, there's always something that you, and that's what's so kind of beautiful about the game of basketball. And you know, cause you played, mm-hmm. uh, it's always something that you can be like, ah, I can do this. I can do that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like it. I like it. Well, um, I, I love the, the, the element of being a student of the game and finding different yeah. ways to get inspired, whether it's music, speeches, or you know, again watching a game. I think that, that's or even get, looking up quotes. Um, those are those are those are the, the elements that uh, I, I can see this it continuing to add value. And especially the more you do it, the, you know, you can see what speeches seem to like hit home, and then which ones. Hey, you know, I've given speeches where I'm going, man, I I wish I could do that again. You know, um, along oh, the way. Man, yeah. So um, I know. I know oh you, yeah. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that 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 hits a lot. Like after the game, I'm beating myself up about what I could have did better every game. So, so I know you had a couple of questions you wanted to ask me. You know, a little yeah. role reversal. So, why don't you go? You 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 go with your first question. Yeah. Now, how long were you doing the? Uh, and uh, because I know even when I was down there in San Antonio, even when I think a little bit after college, you were doing that for a while. How long did you do the? Uh, Going to the jails and speaking, how long did you do that? Like, Yeah, I started oh, wow. in 2000. And, so I, I started going to the so juvenile the juvenile center first in 2011. So okay. then I think I did that for a year. And I, and I really, I, and it, may sound, it might sound weird to people, you know, to hear, hear, hear this from me, but I wasn't feeling like the connection because there was such high turnover what, what, with 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 what you were in the connection with what? Did you okay, so 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 what, so what I mean is, I would go to the juvenile one week, and then I'll be back there the next week, and it'll be a complete brand new set of people. Again, gotcha. which is fine, but 
what I was kind of looking for is something that I could go back to the same people exactly. week after no, I know week what you mean. and build it's a, right. it's a, lo- a long term a long term um investment connection. with it. Yeah, and the connection. So that's when I transitioned in, tw- in 2013. In January, I started going to the to the um, adult prison, so the the men's facility, where it was uh, the closest state prison to San Antonio, Texas, and I was doing that for the two or three years, um, and uh, getting the chance again. It just it was a great experience. Some of the most grateful people ever, and probably it has to do with my age and in my energy that I bring. But you think so? Because a lot of the other volunteers were like, you know, older. A lot of them were like 60s, 70s, 80s. So you just get a different vibe. You just get, you get a different right. flavor. So. All right. Well, yeah. that, well, that kind of uh, brings me to my next question, though, too. Like, uh, since, you know, you're dealing with the adults and you're dealing with the youth, I'm pretty sure there's different kinds of uh, – situations or even situations just in general dealing from just one in general doesn't have to be in comparison to but uh what challenges have you had and i'm doesn't even have to be with that but even with motivational speaking because i feel like even if you're with the the jails like the youth or the adults you're still kind of motivational speaking but with your motivational speaking that you've been doing now or just all of it in general, what has been the most challenging thing? Because I tell you like this, I still want to do that. And man, I have, I don't think I've, well, I've spoken in front of, I can say I've spoken in front of, but I guess it's theater art. So you're not really speaking to people. But uh, what, 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 what do you think is the most challenging thing with uh, motivational speaking or being a life coach? I, I, for me, it's, it's, I call it like to let go of my ego where, because I believe like the, the, the message has to flow like through me as the speaker, but the credit, the glory, the admiration doesn't have to come to me now. And if I, if I understand that it's, 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 a, it's an interesting paradox because yeah, if I don't, if I understand fundamentally, this is not about making my, myself look good about you know, bringing glory to me or bringing admiration to me. The more I understand that's not what this is about. And that's not my purpose. The, as weird as it is, the, the more I try, I, I make it not about that, the more I actually get a lot more of the admiration. Does that make sense? No, I understand what you mean. So, uh, and then I think it's a lot easier to uh, give across your story or whatever you're trying to get across to. Right. And, and, like and, I, and something I, I share often is people want to hear your success story but they'll want to hear it more if you tell them the struggle first. You know, it's like right. any, you told me about that. I remember us talking about that. Yeah. Right, right, right. So now, but it, it's it's challenging because it's counterintuitive. Like our nature when we meet people is exactly. to be positive, uplifting. You know, t- yeah. tell people the best parts of us. Like you don't meet somebody and go, "Hey, let me tell you the worst part of me." You know. Um, no, you don't. This is not really really the way it starts. Um, but as a communicator, I think one of the great paradoxes that that it's involved with communication is if i'm willing like if i'm willing to talk about my weakness then i become more powerful like the the more i talk about my weakness the more powerful i get and if i can be authentic and people know hey i'm I'm somebody that's gonna speak real i'm going to tell you about the worst parts of me because i want to bring out the best parts of you if i can do that then and people know that I'm a real guy. I have my shortcomings, weaknesses. I'm not afraid to tell you about them. 
then maybe um, I'm somebody who you who who you can see as credible to give you some content that helped me to grow and change along the way. So, um, exactly. so I think those are the, those are probably um, I think the the big challenge. I think it's a, it's, it's a, I don't know if it's ever going to change. Like that challenge of it's not about it's not about me. It's not about um, admiration coming to me, but really. I know why I'm speaking and I speak, I, 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 there's two phrases I use. It's to build people up and to benefit their lives, like to build people or another phrase I use, it's, it's, it's synonymous. It's I energize people and I equip them to elevate their lives. Like, but it's, 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 it's the same, it's the same basic principles um, of why I'm speaking, but it's not about so I can look good. But if I prepare well enough, I, it's a byproduct is looking good, but that's not exactly. the explicit purpose. No, I feel you. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I, just hearing what you're saying though, too, because I ultimately, and if we talked about it too, I ultimately would like to get into some kind of motivational speaking and I'm glad, and I'm, I'm it's probably why this, this happened as far as, you know, you being able to tell me that it's not about me because I feel like anybody, because we're all human, it's very easy to fall into that. It is about me, or I'm just thinking about how I can look good because if you're motivational speaking, that means, or even if you're life coaching, you're there in general just to make somebody else better. And sometimes I think you can forget that easily, especially if you start becoming real good. Like some coaches, even in basketball, or some people who are out there actually really giving out, they get so into the fact that they're so good that they forget, I'm here for somebody else. Which, if you know anything about jobs and life in general, most jobs in this life are to benefit somebody else. It doesn't matter what job you have, you're there for and even these basketball players, like they think they're all this, but they're really there to entertain us fans. But uh mm. that's a whole other that's a whole other thing. But it's just that if you think about the fact that all jobs are created to make somebody else's job better, then it should make you think when I do go to work, I do need to be better because I'm making somebody else's better. Mm, has, yes. Somebody else's life better it has nothing to do about me. Well right. mostly nothing to do about me. Right, right, right. Um and uh and so I told you privately so that I'll say it now that it's recorded that, yeah, I think you have a great gift in that. I think you connecting with people um, in an entertaining way, in a down-to-earth way, but even, even the way that you even um, change up your the, – the, the way you change up your spe- speech, um, your rhythm, right? Like you'll speed up oh, and you'll slow okay. down and then you'll, you'll, use a, you'll use variation in, in the way that you communicate. I think it's a – you're a natural communicator. I, I say that if I'm, a, and I believe I'm effective because a lot of people ask me to speak in different settings. I believe I am effective. Now, I, but I think a lot of my effectiveness comes from like a, a deliberately working on it, you know, refining the craft, refining the craft. I think you have a naturally um, way better gift than I do when it comes to communication. Oh, wow. Um, so I think. Well, thanks. Uh, I appreciate it, man. So I, I, I again, I, I think you can do a great job just communicating in a variety of settings, including in in a motivational space, because um, you're just because you're, you're just life sharing. You're holding their attention, and you're giving them principles that will really help them. So, so yeah. And now it's recorded. Now, now it's official that I believe <laughs> it. I'm speaking that into your life, and yeah. Yeah. Well, well, thanks, man. And I think I think it's one of those things like what goes around comes around. 
And I feel like we're feeding off of each other because even if I do do it naturally, I think a lot of it comes from like just uh, experiences and people I know. Because I would, I, I would actually tend to say that from my mom to my teachers to my friends and just my communications that I have with my friends probably helps out to that. And I'm pretty sure you could attest to that as well. So, uh, uh, and I, I really never thought about it, but I do thank you for saying like my rhythm is, I never really thought that I really kind of, but I guess any speaker and a lot of it may come from my acting background. Cause I like growing up, I want to be an actor too. And I took theater arts and just, and it could be something that I'm not even aware that I'm doing that I may have learned that I can't even remember that I learned. But a lot of it is if, if you, if you do certain things at certain times or say certain things in a way or at a rhythm or not even just a rhythm, but at a pace, it'll have yes. a different different effect than where if you were just say it all one way because right. it'll give a different, different yeah right different right, right. So your yeah. pace changes your um so you're not monotone um but then you bring us into stories with exact quotations like all of that is it was a very unnatural thing for me but then learning oh. the value of again slowing down or speeding up to go real fast to grab their attention but then to make small points one at a time you know like those are all like i had to learn but i think when i when i listen to you uh it the way that you communicate naturally will like grab and hold my attention so yeah 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 it's it's a a great great gift that you have and then i'm gonna keep you informed about how my basketball season comes going because i haven't met my team yet except for like two or three players that I know of. But I really feel good about this season. So I'm going to let you know how it goes. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm excited, man. I really feel good about the season. And I don't have no reason. It's just that something in my head, like, this is the year. <laughs> Come on. I like that. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Well, good. Well, if you're listening in, uh, this is the Strong Life Coach Podcast. I'm here with Michael Ford. Of course, in the Strong Life Coach Podcast, we speak life, we coach life, we write life, and we lead life. Let me, uh, let, let me encourage you to, uh, with this podcast, to like it. If you're, on, if you're listening to it on, uh, on Apple, iTunes, give it that five-star rating, leave a comment, and find somebody to share it with. Subscribe to it, of course. Mm. Find somebody yeah. to share. And it, it might be somebody you, that you're thinking about who you would love to see them involved in the community like Mike. Or you might um, – somebody that you just w- want to help make a positive difference. I think uh, Michael shared some great points about, about that on this podcast. So I just want to encourage you to, again, subscribe to this podcast, but also to share it with somebody that you think could really benefit from it. But, uh, again, uh, Mike, thanks for joining me for, for, for a conversation. Thank you for having me. And, uh, and I'm excited about the, the people that are going to be able to listen to it. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it.